Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, and welcome to the CM360 Podcast. I'm Richard Steenan, Chief Research Analyst at IT Harvest. I produce the Security Yearbook, a history and directory of the IT security industry. IT Harvest is an industry analyst firm that covers over 3,300 vendors in the space. Today, I'm joined by Matthew Warner, CTO and co-founder of Blumera, and we're here to talk about the difficulties that small to medium enterprises face with cybersecurity. Welcome, Matt. Hi, excited to be here. Matt, I've been carefully monitoring what's happening in SME because yep. you know they are now the brunt of ransomware attacks and end up in the news every day. Sure. And unlike the attacks on the Pentagon, you know, which are all APT driven, what are some of the most common cybersecurity threats that SMEs face? SMBs are are really not facing a lot of different threats than what larger enterprises are seeing, really what we're seeing is those attacks getting commoditized and then leveraged by ransomware operators to be really successful at their attacks. And, and generally what we're seeing is really a, a continuation of what we've seen over the last kind of three to four years, the, the maturity and growth of these ransomware operators changing over time uh, and in general like the the larger attacks uh, like the the supply chain attack by the Lazarus group North Korea that that also impacts SMB just as much so you you have the situation where SMBs and SMEs in the SMBs have to be even more capable than they were five ten years ago uh, and it, it, you just have more and more vulnerabilities every year at this point yeah you, you kind of see the Tools, techniques, processes used by these super sophisticated groups just being, a, you know, commo- like you say, commoditized and then mm-hmm. applied generally, kind of randomly to anybody who's For vulnerable, sure. which would mean, you know, you'd think, oh my gosh, now you and the small printer that prints my books um, oh, yeah. has to have a 24 by 7 sock and deploy a SIM and re- have triage and alerts. And, you know, obviously, that's not going to happen uh, anytime soon. So what no. should they be doing? It's, it's interesting because really what we, what we see in the pattern that's developing is that the inevitability inside of an SMB when you get attacked is that at one point someone is going to drop ransomware in the environment. It might not be immediate. They might broker that access and sell the access into your environment, but it will happen. And the way that, that we've seen that kind of grow and evolve over time is that it not only does it become more of a problem in SMB, but it's also become more rapid. Um, a year or two ago when you got hit, you might have three or four days before you need to, to properly remove them from your environment before you get fully ransomed. Now it's about 24 to 48 hours is what we see that you're going to get ransomed. They're going to try to go as fast as they can because uh, they know that, that people are watching more than they used to be to some extent. However, when it comes to SMB, you're, you're right. It's, it's basically impossible to have enough staff in that situation to monitor everything that's there. And what we see and organizations that are most successful are really just ones that dedicate to kind of the continuous growth and maturity of their their burgeoning security program, which is to say, are you implementing MFA? Are you evaluating what you're exposing to the internet? Do you know what's exposed to the internet broadly? Is there an old sonic wall sitting around somewhere? Or do you know what the patch level is of of your, uh, like FortiGate VPN, for example? Because those are really the areas where we see the SMBs get hit the most. And if you are a company that can 
start to be more mature about your asset management, the logs you're pulling out of those assets and acting upon any sort of like need to upgrade when possible, you can resolve a lot of those potential threats just because you reduce that attack surface that generally is within that environment. And of course, you know, the the glorious idea of defense in depth still has not really gone away. If you can make sure that you have views across your cloud and across different levels of your environment in a way that's most efficient for you, you can get to what you need to get to, but you'll you'll always be halted in the SMB space by the need, at least when it comes to, to security, to the need for detection engineering and, and how that really fits across the SMB. And, and there needs to be more products in the security space that make that easier for SMB just broadly. I like how you laid that out because it, it's almost like security maturity is almost a self-driving force, right? Once you start looking mm. and realizing, yeah, we have to deploy uh, multi-factor authentication and we have to actually look at our logs and discover our assets, that's when you, you say, wow, this is overwhelming. We have to do more. We mm-hmm. probably have to bring on resources to do it. Yep. What path do most of the SMBs that you talk to go down in that journey? You know, what, what tools do they look at first? It varies really depending on the, the type of the, the organization. And usually the path that we see is three different directions. Um, one being that they're, they're an older organization. They kind of have grown up their, their tech stack over the years. And in those situations, maybe they have a legacy, quote unquote, legacy SIM or way to do log collection or maybe AV in place. Perhaps they have maybe an, an older implementation of ESET, which still does a pretty good job, generally speaking, sure. and an old implementation of Alien Vault, and they're, they're just trying to make it work. And they have their own challenges, which is usually around like, well, my SIM just makes a ton of noise. I just send a bunch of logs to it, and I don't know how to send more logs because I have to manage the hardware associated with it. And that, that's that kind of like legacy built out. They have their own challenges associated with maturing, usually because they're held back by the solutions that, that are in place. And you kind of have to just make changes as you go to, to, to evolve them because going back to that detection engineering component, there's just never enough time for anyone to, to do that kind of work in an individual uh, situation. Um, there are people who just have never done anything. And usually in the, the situation where they haven't done anything, they're being pressured by cyber insurance these days. Um, cyber insurance has steep requirements at this point around that you need to try, which is good. I mean, it never hurts to, to enforce that there's a need to try. Uh, however, over the last you know, 10, 20 years, we've seen this happen across a number of different industries. Uh, PCI and cardholders tried to do this. EI3PA with Experian tried to do this in the, the late knots, early teens. And the impact has never had longevity. It's always just been like, yeah, I guess I'll get to that. We, we see that as a kind of a newer pattern where people are starting to move toward maturity. But in, in my experience, forced maturity uh, is not the same as like embedded like the, the organization wants to grow their, their maturity over time, as it were. And then you have organizations, of course, that just have compliance needs, and they're growing with those compliance needs. And in every situation, the software that's made is not made for them. It's made for enterprise solutions. Exactly. After a, a big breach at some of the famous ones, Lowe's, Target, mm. TJ Maxx, um, the company's first step is, hey, we didn't have a CISO, but now we do. We just hired somebody. Mm. But that's probably not the first step for a small to medium business. What no, What do no. you recommend? You know, they're going to be breached. What do you recommend as the first path on the journey post-breach? Yeah, post-breach is a, is a great one. I mean, 
I'm always, especially post breach, especially in SMBs, the the most important thing post breach is always that you validated that they have left your environment. Um, and so, in in those situations, maybe you've gone through IR. It's always worth getting an audit of your environment. And in a past life, when I was doing offensive security and pen testing, I would always enter a conversation by saying, like, you should get an audit of your environment, see how it looks, see what the state of it is, maybe do a purple team if you have a defensive team in place. But over the years, especially since we started Blue Mira, um, what we found is the collection, the auditing of data, especially when you do detection associated with risk and not really looking for threats, like you've opened RDP, these kind of connections look weird, you shouldn't be doing plain text communication. You can do a lot to reduce the threat level that just lives with inside of that environment by just looking and gleaning information from their logs. So I, I think there's a few different paths to take, but in every case, it really is sitting down and evaluating if we're actually post-breach, did we properly remove them from the environment or do we have anything that continues to look strange here? And what is our next step? Is it visibility? Is it building in better authentication? Because realistically, in, in the perfect world, you would take that breach, go back, almost tabletop it, and sit down and say, where did it start? Where did it come from? How did it happen? And what are the things that we need to do to improve this? Because it could just be patching our exchange server faster, or patching our VPN faster, or changing how we do certain infrastructure work. And there may be some easy wins there that just generally make things easier. But when you're post-breach, you tend to just be looking at like, well, the world is on fire and I hate everything, which is totally understandable. That's how you should. Yeah, yeah, completely. And I've noticed what one of the first responses is, oh my gosh, we don't want a fire drill like this again. Let's create an incident response plan so we know who to call and what the actions are. Um, I just saw an interview with the CIO of Colonial Pipeline and Mm. she tells the scary story of a 5 a.m. call Hey, mm. ransomware hit our operations, um, you know, our our consoles that we use to operate the pipeline. Yep. Uh, what do we do? And since they didn't have the tools to, to tell them how deep the, the attack was, they just shut everything off and caused, you know, massive outages of fuel availability in the in the East Coast. Yeah, I mean, it's always the easy answer, I suppose, right? To shut it all off and, and hope for the best. Uh, and it works technically, but you you have that that huge impact of lack of maturity in a pro in a program that becomes clear in that situation of well we shut it off so that broke the forensic chain it broke a potential of other related information that we probably needed out of here, but manufacturing and infrastructure going back to kind of that legacy side it's such a hard by hard I mean tall ladder to climb to build that maturity up because you were kind of the start of technology of the Colonial Pipeline in itself is a very technological implementation. It has to be, but it's also legacy. And the growth of that is a really complex thing. How do your customers usually find you or, or what instigates them coming to you? Usually they're, they come to Blumira coming off of another tool. Uh, and, and so uh, usually off of like Alien Vault or they've tried to make the Elk stack work for them uh, or they're coming from a legacy sim like, you know, like IBM Curator or something like that. And they haven't been able to get it to be fully operational. They haven't had the time to make it fully operational is another way to put that, just because there's there's never enough time in the day. And when they come to Bloomira, and the, the reason that, that we built Bloomira the way we have is that the, the goal of Bloomira is to make sure that 
people can do two or three different things. They can send whatever data they want, which in a lot of sims is, is really complex and you get into like volume limitations, costs associated with that volume. And they're looking for something that can generate detections for them without them having to do more. And that's really kind of the, the broad goal of Lumira is make it as easy as possible, make it so there's no complex limitations in place, and make it so people in the SMB space don't need to do detection engineering. They can just get information associated with the information they're sending. So if you're sending firewall data, you automatically get detections for that. You're sending Windows data, you automatically get detections for that, and there's no needed work by them. And what we often see is that you know a lot of people in SMBs, director of ITs, up to security, often don't have CISOs, to your point, and they're really just trying to get to a point where they're growing their environment, they know they have compliance requirements, and they know they need to figure out how they're going to kind of grow their maturity. And Bloomira kind of slots in as that sim XDR that will move them in the direction of, I can be more mature and I can do it without adding more friction into my stack. And they have to run it themselves, which is always a good thing in the case of like uh, Kibana. Right. Tell me more about the XDR side of things, right? So I've always thought of XDR, extended detection response, mm. you know, kind of happens as soon as you add network to endpoint uh, or right. vice versa. Does Blumera deploy an XDR or just monitor an XDR? So Blumera now has its own agent as well that we um, do our own auto host isolation and host isolation will, with as well as well as um, telemetry generated out of those environments. And when Blumira started, we leveraged heavily uh, Sysmon to kind of generate our own kind of ad hoc XDR endpoint data. But over the last probably six months here, we've partnered with the company and developed our own agent, which allows our customers to really have, to your point, that that very detailed endpoint-based view with endpoint control that's also combined with their cloud data, their firewall data, and any really other data that we can get out, email security data, so we can best combine together where is that user at the endpoint, what's happening at that endpoint, where is that user in the cloud, and how is that, and especially if they're on-prem, how is that network being utilized by those endpoints? So we try to make sure that it's built in a way that this is the XDR that is not intended to be overly complex and hard to use. It's really intended to be XDR for SMB in that you get the benefits of it, but you don't have to put all the, the additional effort into it. Yeah, it makes total sense. You know, for, man, two decades as an industry analyst, I'd advise vendors of products that, that sell to enterprise not to try and cross over into different categories. And every single yeah. one did, right? Semantic tried to get it to network security and you know, just everybody wanted a firewall and an antivirus. And I used to tell them, you can't do that because it's different buying centers. But that is not true for SMBs. It's the same buying Correct. center. They just need solutions. And they will buy from a single vendor. Uh, they need to. I mean, it's kind of what they it comes to. down to. Yeah. yeah, It's really too hard for SMBs in the current environment to be successful with the majority of tooling that's been built. Just because it's not built for them. It's built for a person who has... You know, the engineers, like like my engineers, they build it, they know it inside and out, they produce it, they give it to the user. And unless there's that embedded kind of culture in the company that's selling the product of, this is for SMB, this is for people that need to spend two to four hours a week at most in this, 
that's just a different viewpoint from a product company point of view. So it, it does change uh, everything. And SMB needs to have that that ease that comes with uh, security because there's there just aren't that many people that yeah. service the industry. Right. And, you know, almost handholding. And luckily, we're in an era where you expect to be able to find a solution online, click a few buttons, download some things, maybe talk to customer support, and get it up and running. And that's just how uh, SMBs buy things nowadays. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, you you know, uh, just as well as I, SIM has never been that. It just, just nope. never has. It's It's been considered just like the pain point of life for everyone for, for, uh, for as long as it's existed, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like an SMB is going to, uh, you know, be on a forum and somebody says, oh, just go to uh, dump everything into Elastic, here's the GitHub, you know, figure it out yourself. That not going to happen. No, and and I was actually just uh, having a conversation with a customer about this yesterday. The concept of data volume is such an unknown thing, and when you are a large organization, you can bind to an XDR, and it it doesn't really matter what the the data volume is going to be. You're going to get your endpoint data, you're going to get your firewall data in, it's going to cost you a couple million dollars a year, that's okay. But when you are, you know, a 200-person law firm, you're not going to be able to get anywhere near that budget. You probably have one or two IT people, maybe an MSP, and you really have to have something that just does what you need, nothing else, because there's no time otherwise. Or you just won't do it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today, Matt. Uh, Really good insights. Of course. And thank you to everybody who's listening. We hope you took a a lot away from today's podcast. For further information on what we're talking about, please head on over to blumera.com slash EM360. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head on over to EM360Tech.com.